everybody we weren't able to go live immediately after their survivor series last night but we're live now it is monday afternoon it's been about 18 hours since survivor series 2021 went off the air and uh kyle i gotta say man just coming off of that show sleeping on it a little bit thinking about it all day today or i'm not trying to think about it all day but you know how how could i not knowing i was going to talk about it with you today uh i i'm just a little bit disappointed you know, not not just because we got a less than stellar pay-per-view outing from the WWE with one of their traditional big four shows last night, but also, Kyle, just because I know how excited you were. You know, you were texting me during the show, you had your sunglasses on, you had your boots to asses t-shirt on, you had that Terramana tequila in your glass, you had your Under Armour shoes laced up, ready to go. I mean, you were even ready to eat some pie last night, my friend, and then... Well, the Finally. Rock did not return. <laughs> yeah. He did not. <laughs> Finally, The Rock has not come back to Brooklyn. No, Dwayne Johnson. And, uh, you know, as we're going to get into, it's not like a huge surprise he wasn't on the show. But they did build a four-hour pay-per-view like around this guy, knowing damn well he wasn't going to be there. Kyle, I mean, how are you feeling about this show right right, right from the start as we begin talking about it and breaking it all down? Well, first of all, Ryan, pleasure to be with you, as always. Justin Joint, we miss you. Can't wait to talk to you again on the next pod. But, you know, I, I spent the weekend with my in-laws. It was that. We do, we do split Thanksgiving still. It's my niece's birthday. Wait a second. So, Is that why you're wearing the Boots to Asses t-shirt? Yes, that's exactly why I was wearing the Boots <laughs> to Asses t-shirt. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I so I, I was doing that whole Thanksgiving thing with my in-laws and you know I'm, I'm glad that I had Thanksgiving with my in-laws over the weekend for many reasons one I'm very full after Thanksgiving as most people are and now I am ready to take one hell of a dump on the World Wrestling Federation <laughs> over the next 90 minutes because whoa boy was this not a good show it's just, I mean, it's so disappointing. Like, I'm not going to say there wasn't good stuff on the show. There was some good stuff on the show, but it's just doesn't ever feel anymore like it's pay-per-view worthy. I feel like a broken record. We say this every time out. You go into these pay-per-views, you know, you're going to get a couple of pretty good matches. Although even in that regard last night, I thought they were down a little bit compared to what we usually get in the WWE pay-per-view. But, you know, you're always going to get the decent matches but the overall story is not there and you don't really care about the results. And when you come out of it, you know, nothing has changed and like, it doesn't really matter, you know? And like to a massive extent last night, last night, I felt like that was the case. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's hard for me to give this one a good grade. I don't know about you. We should do the A through F gimmick. When, on this. When, when was the last <laughs> time I gave the WWE a good grade on pay-per-view? I think this is an appropriate summation of Survivor Series 2021, Ryan. I, I was not looking forward to the show. I think that goes for a lot of people across the World Wide Web, right? It, it seemed to be the consensus. A lot of people on Twitter saying, oh, man, I'm not really looking forward to this. On top of that, it was a fundamentally flawed show. Nobody cares about this brand supremacy crap. Yeah. And then 
you add this pretty egregious promotional tactic that you mentioned where they're talking about The Rock for four hours to the point that a lot of people think he's going to show up and he doesn't. And everyone's just sort of like, ah. and I think we should start there with The Rock because yeah. you mentioned how, you know, it was by no means a sure thing and it was yeah. below 50% that he would show up. I, w- I was laughing during the closing couple of minutes. I was like, please don't show up. Please go off the air without Dwayne Johnson showing up. And, you know, I, I would just I just laughed as soon as it went to black. But I want to talk about the fan expectation of Rock potentially being there last night. It was real. And whether you or I believed it or not, is it doesn't matter if you or I believe it or not, because it was clear that many in the live audience did. Yeah. There were chants of Rocky during the main event, multiple mentions of his name. And this is maybe the most important thing I'm going to say in this podcast. When you have shitty creative, like the WWE does, and you tease something cool, your audience is naturally going to gravitate towards wanting the cool thing, whether it's realistic or not. And I think that's what we saw last night with people, uh, a large portion of the audience at least, expecting Dwayne Johnson to potentially walk out at the end of Survivor Series. Yeah, and you can't blame them for that. You know, I know everyone's talking about how they never officially announced him. They didn't advertise him for the show. There are so many examples in the history of wrestling where, you know, something was hinted at. They want the audience to believe it. At the very least, like a video, (laughs) the guy could send in, you know, talking or something. (laughs) He did one for Impact. He did it for Impact Wrestling, but not the WWE on the 25th anniversary. You know, like... There's all these little nods throughout the show. Of course, you know, the highlights of him throughout. And they've been talking about 25 years of The Rock and everything. We had a, a rock bottom in the main event. You know, like all this little tongue-in-cheek stuff. And for him to not be there. It, again, it like we've known for months. We talked about, I think, even on this show um, recently. Or maybe that was, uh, I think it was, this was on Jesse Velasquez's uh, show. He's, uh, he's on Blue Wire as well. And I was on his show. And I'm like, yeah, you know. Rock isn't the plan for WrestleMania this year. Apparently, he's not going to be at Survivor Series. But, you know, they kept building it up to where it's like, maybe? Like, why are they building this show in this way if he's not going to be? Like, why would you do that to their audience? Like, he's in, he's overseas filming, filming a movie mm-hmm. right now. So, with COVID and everything, it's almost impossible for him to get back to appear. But, you know, like everyone from Meltzer, who has he's written for weeks that he wasn't going to be there. But then, like, even yesterday afternoon, Fightful Select was updating. And as far as they know, Rock's not backstage yet. And they're trying to understand, like, if is he actually going to be there? Like, nobody knew 100%. You know, sometimes they can pull some of these surprises off. But I think I was told this was probably five months ago. Like, Andrew Zarian, friend of the pod, Matt Men, he told me, I think, in June that the plan was for rock to be on this show that it, he told me then it was going to be in Brooklyn way before they announced it publicly. And that, you know, it was going to be themed around 25 years of the rock. And then as things evolved, they weren't able to get him on the show because of the filming schedule, but they still built it up <laughs> like he was going to be there so much. So that in the main event, they couldn't have cared less about the two world champions. Nope. They didn't care. Like the crowd was chanting Rocky. It was one of the deadest crowds 
for a WWE pay-per-view main event I can remember in quite some time, and considering it's your two-brand world champions, that's a hell of an indictment on the way you've built this show, or even just the fact that you put that match out there in the main event slot. You know, like if Rock's not going to be there, they probably should have led with that, which at one point was the plan. Yes. So, Okay, a couple things. WWE is absolutely to blame for letting the rumor mill get out of hand. In recent media interviews, Roman Reigns has talked about the match. And I know Dwayne Johnson, to his credit, has done everything he can to squash the rumors. Yeah. But the problem is this is wrestling, and fans are conditioned when somebody says, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. They're going to be like, oh, it's going to happen now. Yep, (laughs) exactly. That's just the way (laughs) fans are conditioned. And don't blame the fans for that, promoters. Blame yourselves. Mm -hmm. Because you are the ones who condition fans to think like that. I want to build off a couple other things you said. You know, the idea that, oh, well, he's unadvertised. So, you know, they would never have Dwayne Johnson appear unadvertised. That's ridiculous. You know, there was a certain person who tweeted that last night. We'll, we'll keep his name out of it so he doesn't get completely embarrassed. But it was a horrific tweet, I thought. And it showed a naivete at best or just stupidity at worst or maybe just just no knowledge of history. And I'm not talking about like, ancient history. I'm talking about recent history. Ryan, was The Rock advertised when he showed up at WrestleMania 30? Don't believe so. What about WrestleMania 32? No, not that time either. What about Royal Rumble 2015? (laughs) Nope, can't say that he was. What about that Raw when he came out and confronted Rusev? Yeah. (laughs) So that's four times just with The Rock. Okay, now you might say, well, that was the WWE of five years ago. That doesn't apply anymore. Okay, smarty pants. Well, let me hit you with this. Uh, Was John Cena advertised to appear at Money in the Bank when he came out at the end of that show? (laughs) No, but there was the chance, right? Because people were expecting it. Was Brock Lesnar advertised when he appeared at the end of SummerSlam? Same thing. So there's a pattern here of mm-hmm. big people showing up unadvertised. So I don't want to hear that. That it is that it was obvious he wasn't going to show up. That's just again naivete or just not understanding your history. Yeah, no, it was not obvious. And despite the reports, as I said, you always think there might be a chance. Maybe they're trying to work you. And you know, you never really know. And like I said, even like the top people in the business at breaking news, they were checking into it. Fightful, you know, they're breaking stories left and right. They were checking into it yesterday afternoon, uh, trying to update Fightful Select on if he was going to be there. You cannot blame the fans for expecting it because of everything Kyle just went through. It happens over and over and over again. And you just look at all the nods and the way they structured the the show was structured around a guy who wasn't there. Look, I don't give a damn if Dave Meltzer comes down from freaking Mount Vesuvius with a stone tablet saying the (laughs) Dwayne Johnson's not going to be here. The fact is, the fans in the building thought he was. And so that means something went awry. There was a disconnect. Yeah, we could talk about Meltzer reported this. Well, apparently those people weren't refreshing F4WOnline.com or they weren't following Sean Ross Sapp on Twitter during the show because they believed it. So wrong again, WWE defenders. And, you know, Andrew Zarian, you mentioned his report. He that that plays into it too, and I'm sure Andrew has fed good information five months ago because he said the rumor was, you know, you just mentioned this Rock was going to be here, mm-hmm. and you know he wrote a story I saw on f4wonline.com a clarification, 
and I, I thought it was very good uh, word choice by Andrew, where it felt like a surprise party where the guests never showed up. You know, like the WWE just like, okay, well, he can't come. Well, let's just keep doing the same thing anyway, and he won't show up. And Andrew also reported, uh, I don't know if he put this in the F4W online story or not, or I just saw him chat about this on Facebook, hoping I get in trouble. Uh, but he said that Vince McMahon appearing was the make good for yeah. Rock not being there. Oh, what a make good that was. Vince McMahon, look, got a lot of money. Most important person in the history of wrestling. A dreadful television performer in the year 2021. Oh, man. Real bad. Yeah. I mean, he can't be on TV. I mean, I, I see now why he re- refuses these TV appearances. Yeah. Yeah, your average fan was expecting it. Your average fan is not super plugged into the inside reports that have been saying, you know, with like Dave, he's not going to be there. He's not going to be there. They go by what they see on TV. And if there is no chance the guy is going to be on the show, I don't know why you build the show in the way that you did because everyone's expecting it. The main event ends. By the way, Roman Reigns beat Big E clean as a sheet. Middle of the ring. And then Roman's walking. And even like the way they shot the end of the show, the yes. way like the camera kept following Roman and he climbs out of the ring and they're following up the aisle. Like they don't usually shoot like that. So it made you You're think right. that he was coming out. Yes. <laughs> you know, they, they, if the WWE wanted to be a responsible promotion and they have at no point in their history ever attempted to be a responsible promotion, they would have had someone come out in front of the live audience before the main event and said, guys, just Dwayne Johnson's not here. Now, even then, there are probably some people in the audience who are like, oh, that must mean he is here. So maybe, I don't know, maybe that would have backfired. But you're right. I was thinking that, too. The way it was shot, I'm thinking, I'm like, they want you to believe that you're going to hear, if you smell, you know, they they want you. And that's why I was was actively rooting against it, because I didn't think he was going to come out. And I was like, please just tell me he doesn't come out. They're teasing yeah. it this way. And he did. It was, it was terrible. It was an awful look. Yeah. So, yeah, very a very flat ending to the show. I think, uh, <laughs> to, say, to say the least, for me, like grading this event, I'm, I'm probably going like a D plus. Just because Ooh. this is my lowest grade for a pay-per-view in quite some time. Just because the whole survivor series brand supremacy thing is so dead means nothing. You put these guys in just awful situations as we're going to get into, as we break this thing down. Um, the fact that the rock wasn't there, the, some of the decision-making on who won and how they won. I can't go high on this. And to me, you, you're looking at this as one of your big four pay-per-views and it felt like raw with like a decent main event. You know, the thing about, and I hate to do the comparison right away, but I'm going to do it anyways. The thing about AEW is when they give you those pay-per-views, yeah, they're four hours long too, but every match matters. And this is a promotion that's putting on great television week after week, and yet they are able to make their pay-per-views feel even bigger. And then you go to the WWE pay-per-views, whose television has been dreadful for I don't know how many months in a row. and <laughs> Years, probably. And... You get to a pay-per-view and it's like the bar is pretty low for them to make this feel special and to feel different from television. And it just doesn't. To me, it doesn't feel any different than sitting through what would be a three or four hour edition of a four hour edition of Monday Night Raw. I mean, yeah, this was this was for sure a below average show. I'd say C minus D plus. For sure, which is pretty consistent with what I give most WWE pay-per-views. And Mm -hmm. it goes back to. 
for me, it's not even like a specific match result or angle gone awry that bothers me about WWE. It's just like bad fundamentals. I feel I've mentioned this once or twice on the program before. It's such a fundamentally flawed promotion. And then, like you said, the Survivor Series concept, fundamentally flawed as well. You can't go higher than C- minus on this because C is average. And this was clearly a below average show. You know, you talked about match quality a little bit earlier on. Generally speaking, most people are higher than me on WWE pay-per-view matches. But other than the opener, I mean, nobody was making a case for anything on this show to be very good Mm -hmm. in ring. So you didn't have that. I, I mean, why would you watch this show again? I don't think any match on the show was four stars. No. Not even the opener. Not, no. Not, not close. Yeah. Four stars on this no. show? No. What? I mean, I'm saying not even the opener because yeah, I, I was listening to Observer Radio today and Meltzer called the opening match a great, great match. And I would not call it a great, great match. I thought it was a pretty I, good match, but I didn't think it was a four, even a four star no. match. So, no. yeah. I, I mean, I'd go three and a half maybe on the opener. Yeah. I think, and it was the match of the night for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, speaking of fundamentally flawed, you want to just get the pre-show out of the way? Real quick, I um, I wanted to read off the poll results. So I did oh. put the poll out on Twitter last night. This is where our followers on Twitter, at Top Rope Nation, were. Um, 124 votes, 42% DF score on the That's show. That's pretty uh, negative for the poll. Usually they're a little more positive than we are. Uh, 27% of C, 23% of B, 8% an A. So that's out of 124 votes, so, you know, pretty good sample size. 42% A? They got to be trolling us at this point. <laughs> I mean, what, what is the only other pay-per-view they've ever seen in wrestling history? Battle Bowl 93? <laughs> Funny you should mention that. One of the few shows I had dubbed uh, early in the mid-90s. I've never been able to make it through. Yeah, Very boring. It wasn't good, even then. I <laughs> wanted to shout out Chris in our chat, by the way. Christopher Bean, who just joined the Patreon page. Chris, thank you so much for your support. He says, thank you. Thanks for watching survivor series so we don't have to that's why we're here for you we love you guys <laughs> uh yeah go ahead Kyle. no i was just because i i was ready to go to the pre-show if, if okay if you uh, want yeah real real yeah real quick let me do the spiel um i mentioned chris just on the patreon page oh. we got bonus shows dropping each and every week you can find the link here in the podcast description uh, we are over 25 patrons now, so thank you everyone for your support. You see the names coming across the screen right now on the YouTube feed. Um, yeah, click the, the link here. It's on YouTube. It's also in the podcast description to find out how you can support the show and get all of that bonus content from us. Uh, 60 bonus shows available the second you sign on, including a brand new edition of Top Rope Nation Classics dropping next week. We will be covering Survivor Series 1996. Should be a really good one. Looking forward to covering that Survivor Series a lot more than this one, Kyle Ross. And um, yep. also, if you're if you're listening on the uh, the uh, podcasting feeds, as always, hit subscribe, leave us a five star rating, leave us a written review. If you do, leave that Twitter or Instagram username in the review so that I can send you a free Top Rope Nation sticker in the mail. And if you're here on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button. It helps us out so much in growing and and reaching new viewers. Kyle, the pre-show, the IC and U.S. champions relegated to the pre-show. Take us through it. Yeah, Damian Priest and Shinsuke Nakamura. Look, there's so much hand-wringing usually about who should and shouldn't be on the pre-show 
right? Like mm-hmm. I feel every one of these pay-per-views is like, oh, such and such deserves so much better than the pre-show, right? That's a fairly common thing yeah. you hear. You know what's sad about this particular match? Again, like you said, Damian Priest, U.S. champ for Shinsuke Nakamura, U.S. champ. You didn't hear any of that chatter. It, it didn't feel out of place on the pre-show. Again, IC champ, U.S. champ, battle of brand, just, you know, people, who cares? I mean, Pat Patterson and Ravishing Rick Rude must be rolling over in their graves, God rest their soul. Dude, can you imagine back in the 90s when they did the pre-shows, like the the free-for-all on the preview channel or whatever it was on back then? Can you imagine, like, the IC, Razor Ramon working the IC title? (laughs) <laughs> on the yeah. free-for-all. I mean, my God. Yeah, th- how far this title has fallen. Yeah, neither title should even exist at this point, I'm going to argue. We'll talk a little bit more about the ineptitude of the current iteration of the brand split. I just do not see any purpose for secondary titles on these two brands. They are just nothing. I I forget Nakamura as the Intercontinental Champion like a lot. There, there is multiple times I'm like, wait, who's here? I was like, is it still Nakamura? I mean, he's phoned it in for years. And, and who can blame him at this point? And speaking of should not exist, this fucking Rick Boogs. <laughs> I knew where this was going. <laughs> I know that somebody in the back must be amused. And I'm sure there's some people maybe even listening to this podcast that are amused. But this guy playing his guitar during the match sort of comes off as heelish or at the very least annoying. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Damian Priest was side-eyeing him during the match, and I was like, yeah, I'm with you, Damian. This is very upsetting. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Rick Boogs? <laughs> this Rick Boogs has got to go. Yeah. Yeah, and speaking uh, of annoying, I-, I know you're with me on this. Throughout yes. the show, not just this match. I thought Pat McAfee was atrocious on the show and borderline unlistable. I was looking for the SAP button about 45 <laughs> minutes in. I don't know if that still exists, but you get my drift. Yeah, I got into it with some people on Twitter when I put that out there because we were talking about it in the Facebook group. Link in the description, by the way. That we had a big thread going during Survivor Series, 150 comments or something. A lot of people engaged throughout, and we were talking about this because I think – when he first joined WWE, you you might have asked me, so what, you know, what do you think of Pat McAfee so far? Or maybe I threw it out there and we all answered. And I think I said at the time, like, I don't think he's great, but, you know, at least he's a little bit different, brings a different energy. He's, he's different than the, the robotic people they put out there normally. It's just grating at this point. All he does is scream and yell and his voice is cracking. It's just it takes away from the match. I said I said in the group. I wish I had our friend Justin Joint's ability to tune out commentary. He always talks about that's his superpower. He can watch a match and not hear commentary because all I'm hearing is this guy screeching in my ears the whole time. It's way too over the top, way too over the top. And that's in pro wrestling. I'm saying that too over the top for pro wrestling, I think, at least from a broadcast perspective. You're right. I think the conventional or or general viewpoint of Pat McAfee when he first started is like, oh, well, at least he's different. I heard Mm -hmm. that from a lot of people, but... I don't know if he's different. I just think he's louder and a little wackier. Like the things he says are things that Michael Cole would say. He just yells them and does it, you know, like standing on the desk. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. there's really, no, I mean, it's worse than Jericho. At least on yeah. this show it was. It might not always be worse than Jericho, but 
I thought Pat McAfee at Survivor Series 2021, write it down, was worse than Chris Jericho has been on his worst day doing AEW commentary. They're Just definitely in the same ballpark. An atrocious <laughs> performance by yeah. Pat McAfee. Uh, getting back to the match here, I want to remind everyone, Damian Priest is not undefeated. He lost a handicap match the night after WrestleMania to The Miz and the recently fired John Morrison. So whenever you hear that, it is lies. Uh, South of Heaven, a Slayer reference. I do like that name for his choke slam. I don't know if it actually is a Slayer reference. I'm hoping it is. I'm going to pretend it is so I can like something. Uh, Nakamura had one cool spot in this match. I don't know if he's been doing this regularly on TV. I've kind of been fast-forwarding through a lot of his TV work recently, but he slid out of the ring under the rope and kind of did this modified German suplex thing. I did like that, uh, but <laughs> this was a average to below average match with a horrific finish that saw Priest go out of the ring, grab Rick Boogs' guitar, smash it, and then hit Nakamura with it, which kind of looked like a heel turn for Priest, which ain't the direction I would go. Yeah. I I, I actually did not see this match, but I, I saw the reaction on Twitter. And yeah, I, I don't know why you would turn him. Honestly, I mean, he seems popular, you know, wins most of the time. And here's the thing, too. You're hyping the guy is undefeated mm-hmm. and he loses a nothing match by DQ. Yeah. Well, well what? <laughs> There's going to be a lot of that throughout this throughout the show. Speaking of what Vince McMahon shows up, <gasps> you make good on Dwayne not being there. And what does he have, Kyle? Some fucking golden egg. I did not know what the hell this was at first. I, there were people who immediately jumped on Twitter and said it was from the new Dwayne Johnson movie that they hyped all night. Uh, it was so sad seeing mm-hmm. these wrestlers waiting for the limo to arrive, forced to you know suck up and clap like tools. <laughs> I mean, is this North Korea? I mean, <laughs> I saw that in your notes. Just Kim, Kim Jong McMahon. I mean, what <laughs> is this? Are- these wrestlers are clapping, they're collapsing, and they can hardly contain their joy at getting a, a glimpse of Vincent Kennedy McMahon. I mean, my God, the ego of this guy yeah. gives and a shit. I liked when uh, people zoomed in on this. When he first held up the egg, your boy Reggie was g- gave this look like, the fuck? <laughs> like, I don't think he was clued this? in. Like, you know, I mean, some people might have known where this is going, but I, something tells me the people like real low on the totem pole, the geeks. As Brian Alvarez would say, who chased her on the 24-7 title, they probably weren't told about this gold egg. And yeah, the gold egg was a storyline all night. Yeah, so we had we had the storyline. The grandchild of the gobbledygooker or something like that. The uh (laughs) the gold egg was out there. No, so let me get this straight. He told Roman that Dwayne Johnson gave this to him like a long time ago? Something yeah, something like that. So Apparently, we're we are recording this before Monday Night Raw on Monday. Apparently, this is going to be a big part of Raw tonight. Yes, because we got no answers on the egg by the end of this show, which was stolen from Vince's office. Yes, the egg the egg was stolen. Nobody knows who has it. Apparently, the whole roster, Raw and SmackDown, are going to be there to answer some tough questions from Vince on Raw as they try to find the golden. Egg, Kyle. Listen to me. The golden egg. You know what? the the hopeful the hopeful people were like, maybe this is going to tie into the Rock being on this show. It did not. Nope. Instead, it's 
It's a fucking golden egg, Kyle. Maybe Triple H took it and he's going to hold it for ransom until he gets NXT back the way it used to be. <laughs> now that would be a storyline. Now, now that would be a twist. Yeah. We can maybe get behind, but yeah. yeah. Uh, so how about the intro of this show? I have just a bizarre question for you. You're a savvy person in the business world and marketing. How do you think Netflix or how do you think the cock feels about plugging a Netflix movie so hard? <laughs> There's a do lot they not of this care? on that show. I I mean yeah, I mean, they're direct competitors. Probably not, though, because, I mean, look at this. WWE is in bed with so many different mm-hmm. businesses. Like, we, <laughs> we got Fox getting their ass kicked on this show. Oh, by the way, you know, up until the main event, Raw won every single match on yeah, the show. On, on the main show. Knock. On the main show, DQ. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, like, Raw wins every match. So, it makes Fox look real bad. Right. Yeah. You know, they're out there in the ring in the Battle Royal, which is just a freaking disaster, as we're going to get to. And they've got the logos on the backs of their shirts, USA yeah. and Fox. So you got like competitors there. But this is different. You're right, because it's it's a streaming competitor, Netflix yeah. versus the cock. Yeah. And I, I mean, they I, can't I, be too happy, but it's it's a sponsorship opportunity for WWE. So they're going to take it. Oh, sure. They're going to do it. But I'm just wondering how the cock feels about it, because. We hear these stories that Fox isn't too happy about when the Peacock service is plugged on their network. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's in their contract that they can they can take advertising yeah. like this. And but yeah, I'm sure they're not super happy about it, okay. especially as awful as this Peacock streaming service has been so far. But yeah, Netflix is a little more seamless, I got to say. Uh, so we open the main show. Now, there was, again, I, I mentioned earlier, without The Rock there, you think maybe you should have Roman open this with biggie and just you know get the expectations gone right away yeah, rock's and, not and, there and that's another thing too that added to people possibly believing rock's gonna be there so sean ross sap reported yesterday day of that becky versus charlotte was going on last yeah so everyone on twitter spent two hours of their life wait uh, which turned out to be a waste saying oh here we go montreal screw job all over again what are they gonna do and then, like, what, a half hour before showtime, it was revealed, no, Roman and Big E is going on last. So people yeah. like, oh, well, if that's going on last, maybe The Rock's going to come. And then you heard, got all the teases. That's how it started snowballing, in my yeah. opinion, once, yeah. you know, that was changed. The report was changed. Yeah, evidently, um, there was some confusion backstage about uh, the match order. <laughs> Because, so this is right from the Fightful Select report. He says, in order, this is Sean writing this, in regards to the match order confusion, there were sources who indicated the order had been set well ahead of time and was confirmed Thursday. When some members of the team found out The Rock was not going to be present, were told they voiced their concern about the Reigns match closing the pay-per-view. But there wasn't a major push to change it. There were various run sheets that had the accurate rundown, but there were also numerous that were printed in reverse, which caused confusion backstage, and several thought there was a decision to switch the women to the main event because The Rock wouldn't be present. Some of these were updated shortly before the show, with many getting the corrected formats, with Reigns and Big E going on last. So people backstage didn't know what was going on. Yeah, and again, we talk about this, I was talking about this Garrett on the Facebook page today about, you know, the writers getting unfairly maligned sometimes. Yes. Uh, th- that report, I-, I think, is very interesting because it backs up something I've said before many times on this program. 
you do have some smarter people who raise red flags and they're like, excuse me, Vince. And, you know, they don't want to lose their jobs. They don't want to get in trouble. They, But they're like, guys, if we're going to do all this Rock stuff and we're putting that match on last with Roman, people are going to maybe think Rock's going to be there. People are bringing this up. There are people who understand this backstage. It's just yeah. the key decision makers that don't or don't mm-hmm. care and want to lead the audience to believe that he might be there just to rub it in their face, you know, at the end and make them eat shit. Yeah. So they, they do open with Becky Lynch and Charlotte. As you said, Kyle, uh, this was the best match of the show. And they had a pretty good video package to start yes. things. And, you know, building up the feud between the two and everything. And you had this in your notes, and I was thinking it too. Becky came off a lot. Like, her promos were so much better than Charlotte's in, in the in the lead up to this. And I think yeah. the way they cut them together really emphasized that if you hadn't seen television. <clears throat> Not only that... But <laughs> watching this video package, it really illustrated why big time Bex, your girl, should not be a heel. Yes. And that was the, one of the big stories to me of this match. Mm-hmm. Becky Lynch should not be a heel. And I don't give a damn whose idea it was. It's dumb. Bad from the start. And yeah, even if it was her idea, which we know it was, she wanted to try this out. Someone's got to say no. There has to be quality control. Like you're, I know they want to give talent some leeway, especially the top level talent like Becky. But it's like, look, we don't have many top people in this, in this company, and you have reached a level that very few have in the last decade. We need you to be a draw. We need you to be a baby face. We understand you want to do this heel thing. Maybe we can try it down the line. But right now, it is just not the direction we need to go. She's not the boss. Yes, you want to give them like some freedom to explore their ideas and creativity and everything, but you have to have quality control at some level. And, you know, there's still ro- this big time Bex thing. They're still rolling with it. It's not good. It's not good at all. Everybody wants to cheer her. She's still great, you know, in the ring and everything and, and was really good Sunday night. But yeah, man, the character, it is not working. Not at it, all. No, well, I mean. It would be working if she was a baby face. Well, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, the you know, like the that's character they, is not working. Yeah. yeah. So I did like the start to the match, especially where it they gave the like it gave the uh, feel of a fight, right? Yeah. Which is what this should be given the buildup. Uh, you know, I know there was a lot of talk about outfits, uh, specifically Becky's. I think it was like a Britney Spears tribute or something. People were claiming. Mm, okay. I, yeah, I, I, I don't really, I, I don't really follow that kind of stuff, but um, I, you know, call me old school. I think they both should have worn jeans. Yeah, it's a fight. To celebrate the fight, you know? Like mm-hmm. like the baby faces at uh, full gear. But, you know, WWE's not going to do that. Uh, Charlotte's version of Andrade's elbow, almost always done poorly. Mm-hmm. And did you see this on Twitter today? That, that there may be some uh, issues there? That Andrade's, like, not following Charlotte on social media now or something? Oh, really? I, I thought I saw that on Twitter.com. I haven't been on, on there much today, though. Okay. I, I thought I saw that. I apologize if I misread it, but uh, you know, I'm pretty. I don't think I would make that up. Uh, yeah. She, of course, she meaning Charlotte, missed the moonsault as per usual, badly. Complete worth. Yeah, and the commentary like sold it too. Like it was like you know she got all of it. That was 
odd. Uh, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you how the replay of the replay of it. It looked better just be, from the camera shot. So like when you saw it live, it was looking from the entrance direction, I believe. Yes. And you, it's just complete whiff. And then when they showed the replay, they show it from the opposite direction and you couldn't tell how badly she missed. I mean, you could you could still tell, but not as bad as as live. Yeah, that, that always misses. It's it's a great spectacle that she does the moonsault off the top to the outside. But man, doesn't always look the greatest. No, it, I mean, it's a great flip, but she just never connects. <laughs> it's, yeah. and, you know, again, I don't know if the, you know, if she just doesn't have good aim or the person's just not in the right position, but it, it just, <laughs> every freaking time. This was a very good match, yet flawed. Because it's champion versus champion, I don't actually hate the finish anymore. I, I know on Facebook I wrote, very good match, weak finish. But I thought about this. And again, you, you you don't want to like bury the uh, the losing champion and make him seem secondary, okay? Mm-hmm. And they are trying to keep Lynch heel, so I get the finish they went with. The problem wasn't that you had a finish where somebody was holding the ropes to get a cheap pin. The problem is Becky Lynch should not be a heel. That that's the problem with this match. I just want to go back to that when I think about this match down the line. I'm just going to always think about it's it's silliness. And I don't know if you saw some of these post-match promos Becky cut. One of them was posted on Top Rope Nation's Facebook page. And there was another one yep. she did with Ariel Hawani, like right after where she was still emotional. You could tell she did it back-to-back. Total baby face promos. <laughs> Total baby. Like she's talking about how she had these mixed emotions. You know, her and Charlotte were such great friends and, she can't believe it's come to this. You're watching this. You're like, who would not root for Becky Lynch? Yeah, people in this just scenario? never liked Charlotte. Like the audience has never been behind. Well, Charlotte, and she's so a natural like, heel. She's yes. a natural heel. She should be a heel. We we, we complain yes. when Charlotte's a baby face, right? We're like, this isn't right. natural. It's very simple. I, let's go back to SummerSlam, whatever the fuck it was, 2018, when they thought Becky turning on Charlotte and Becky being heel and Charlotte being baby face was a good idea. <laughs> oh, you're telling me this has it? happened before? And they yeah, didn't learn so, their lesson. So yes. it, it's silliness. And by the way, did you catch what Becky said to the camera after winning? Mm, trying to remember. I, I remember she said something at the time. I can't remember what it was. It now. was something like, I don't have it right in front. I knew I should have written it down. But it was something to the effect of, go have your dad run to the dirt sheets to tell you how good you are. Yeah, something? she did say dirt sheets. Yeah, that's right. She, I remember you, dirt sheets. She definitely yeah. said dirt sheets, and I, I, I was like, "Oh, did she just say?" Dirt? And somebody had the exact, but it was something to the effect of that. Yeah, it was something about you know having Rick run to the dirt sheets. What a funny comment that was. <laughs> Rick's trying to run to AEW right now. If you see that post he put out on, uh, was it Instagram tagging All Elite Wrestling? He's ready to yeah. pop a rating for them. Yeah, Rick, I, I gotta give you one piece of advice. Okay, I mean, far be it for me to give the Nature Boy an advice. On the left side of your keyboard, there is a button which reads Caps Lock. <laughs> push that. Just push that. I, I think for about five Capitalizes years. Capitalizes every word. Yeah, yeah. for about five years, you've, you, that, that's been on. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so the men's elimination match. I guess let's just try to hit the high points. We can't break every single thing down here. Um <laughs> Well, okay, let's just move on then. <laughs> well, I mean, we're going to be at this thing for three hours. But here's what we could say. Kevin Owens, man, he is, we all expect in January he's leaving. And 
They didn't even try. Here, he eliminated himself. He just walked out. That's how he got eliminated, right at the beginning. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's a long walk to Jacksonville. You might as well start now, I guess. But yes. <laughs> uh, this was my favorite part of the match. And, and I respect him. Kevin Steed not doing a job on his way out of the territory. No. In, in all seriousness, it was by design. And it yeah. was creative and whatever. I guess, you know, I'm sure he's going to get his comeuppance out the door. You know, he's going to lose a few times. Uh, dude, th- this was also an issue for the women's match. The freaking World Entrance Federation. Oh my you get God. these 10 entrances and it takes <sighs> like 15 to 20 minutes between matches. Come on now. And the, the, the crowd was really being sweetened here. The noise. Mm-hmm. It was really noticeable at times in the show. Specifically, I thought in this match, like there were just these like, this is awesome chance out of nowhere. I know Mike Johnson questioned the uh, legitimacy of those over at PW Insider. Yeah. Hardy was super over though. Yep. Uh, you know, he's, he's a legend at this point. You expect that he's gone back to his old entrance music, people like that. And and he got a lot of burn in this match. You know, he was in it right until the end. <laughs> Kyle, I got to tell you this, this came up on, on social media during this match. I saw, I can't remember who it was. I'd give him credit, but someone said, don't hate me, but Baron Corbin's storyline is the best WWE storyline of 2021. And I thought about it and I was like, you know what? I wouldn't even argue against that. You may be right. And what does that say about this company? Well, <laughs> it, the vignettes of him being poor and like being down on his luck, those were actually funny. But that's once right, you, yeah. But unfortunately, the problem is once you hit the payoff and the new character came, it's been the drizzling shits. Happy Corbin? What is <laughs> Corbin. this? And I can't wait, by the way, until three years from now when people look at the graphic for this match. And say, who the fuck is that in regards to Madcap Moss? Yes, yes. Madcap Moss? I These got names. A, I got into an argument once with a lovely British couple at the takeover in New Orleans. Because Jesus. I really liked Tino Sabatelli and Riddick Moss as a tag team. Thought they had so much potential down there. Yeah. That was a good team that I thought had Vince McMahon written all over it. Now we get Madcap Moss? That team is on my NXT poster on my wall here. They were, te- they were teaming on this NXT event I went to. They were a good team. Check and yeah. watch the film, folks. Do your homework. Uh, th- th- there was just a lot of stuff in this match that wasn't good. Uh, King Woods, glad he got his crown. Tapped out to Lashley's hurt lock. So much mm-hmm. for that King of the Ring win. Uh, then I know you're hot about this. Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley with the gutless double countout spot. A hallmark of the Survivor Series. <laughs> yes. It's so bad, man. Like, I looked at this match as an opportunity to heat Drew up. There's no doubt about it. This guy has lost a lot in the last year. And, you know, he he carried through as champion during the pandemic as best he could. Did a great job. You know, I thought I thought he was one of the, the best wrestlers of the year in 2020 as far as, you know, making do with, with the uh, cards he was dealt and everything. But, like, yeah, in the last few months, he doesn't feel as, like as big of a deal. The audience has kind of turned on him a little bit. You need babyface challengers specifically on SmackDown. Now, we know Brock is probably coming back to, to feud with Roman. But, you know, again, it's a match we've seen multiple times on huge pay-per-views. But it is probably the biggest match they can do. But outside of Brock and Roman, you need some more top-level babyfaces on SmackDown. And I felt like here's an opportunity for Drew to maybe get his win back on Bobby Lashley. Yes. Be the sole survivor. Make him feel like a big deal again. And the double count out. Good 
God, and, and Kyle. You could sense it coming right before it happened. About yeah. five seconds they were laying there. I was like, oh, God, here we go. King Harley Race and uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan all over again with the double countouts. But, and the crowd died after that, too, because mm-hmm. they got up when McIntyre and Lashley squared off. I think they were like, okay, we can get a payoff to that. Because remember, Drew McIntyre could not yep. get a title shot anymore as long as Lashley was champion. So here he mm-hmm. is. He gets another chance. Fight. And yeah, to not beat him, I don't understand that at all. Uh, Sheamus and Jeff Hardy were on the same page after their bitter feud last year when it came to two-on-two, them again on the SmackDown side against uh, Seth Rollins and Austin Theory on the Raw side. thought that was kind of bad. Yeah. You know, the announcers didn't even acknowledge the feud. Now, afterwards, Sheamus did turn on Jeff when he was eliminated, when Sheamus was eliminated by Austin Theory. So I don't know if that was a callback to that or not, or if it was just a way to get more heat on Jeff. The crowd did wake up a little bit when Jeff eliminated Theory. Mm -hmm. New guy's not going to survive here. Uh, So it's down to Jeff and Seth Rollins, and Seth wins. And what I mean, I, I know what you said about Drew, and I'm not going to disagree, especially now that Rock, like, I don't know what, but Brock is going to be stretched to WrestleMania, I'm assuming. Probably. So, yeah. do they even care who the fill in challenger is? I mean, is it in their eyes, is it even worth giving Drew McIntyre this win for a throwaway title shot at like the day one pay per view? No, I mean, I think it seems like Jeff Hardy's going to get that shot. And Jeff, you could put him in that situation anytime. You could do a stupid number one contenders match on SmackDown, give him the match, whatever he loses. Um, how do you? How do you? What's your next opportunity to heat Drew up? You know, this is I, supposed to be one of your one of your four <laughs> biggest pay per views of the year. This would seem like a you know as good of an opportunity as ever. I don't blame him for having Hardy go so deep in this match because the crowd absolutely loved it. And I guess you know with Seth setting him up as as a challenger but uh you know for big e so that makes sense i just was disappointed because i thought it was a missed opportunity with drew mcintyre yeah, or at least you, at the very least drew should have pinned lashley i think but i guess yeah. they wanted to protect lashley too moving forward the match did have a couple good moments like we mentioned with lashley and drew squaring off but i did not care really at all about this match i did love uh eric from Saguna kaida his review he was talking about how he loves watching random tag team house show matches from the 90s and he's like that's kind of like what when he cuts down when an elimination match gets down to two versus two that's how it should be worked kind of like a house show tag team match and he's like who the fuck would ever want to watch seth rollins and austin theory team up against jeff hardy and sheamus <laughs> you know it just wasn't a lot wow. of chemistry i just yeah it was i guess they're gonna go with the storyline moving forward seth's gonna come out on raw tonight i won my match biggie you let the brand down you know, that's going to be... You missed the... Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's, I guess, what the thing's going to be. And the problem is that's such a dud as a quote-unquote world title program. It's so secondary. Because, I mean... I mean it's, 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 it's too bad it's so cold here in Iowa. They could have uh, Seth Rollins and Big E selling out Kinnick Stadium. Yeah, they're well... I, not the for Iowa this title. title. Yeah, because, I mean, look, you had Big E, and we'll get to this, obviously, losing, you know, clean as a sheet to Roman, to... You know, WWE basically saying the quiet part out loud that he's the second yeah. of the two world champions. And Seth lost his feud with Edge over the summer. So it's mm-hmm. a it's a stinker of a world title feud to begin with, no matter what they do. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Roman and Vince backstage. 
This, this Vince McMahon is a television performer in 2021, Kyle, as you said. Yeah, he's not. He and what has happened to Vince's voice? It's just like his voice is just shredded all the time. It, it comes across like he has a hard time talking. Maybe he has a medical condition. I don't want to make light of it. But like, you know how like in the 90s and the 80s, Vince would yell, welcome to WrestleMania. And then he would get that kind of raspy, hard voice. It's like that all the time now. Yeah. Across, I, like his voice and you kind of can't understand him yeah sometimes uh i guess the key here was you know him telling roman that the egg was from your cousin Dwayne, because like roman's yeah. like what the fuck is this egg like all of us and <laughs> that's when vince told the story and how it's worth a hundred million dollars and roman's like well you know it sounds like my next contract which was i guess like the only redeemable line of this segment mm-hmm. 25 man battle royal kyle this is bad this is very bad uh not good I thought after the men's elimination match, we may not see the Raw SmackDown t-shirts on this show, but I was wrong uh, because they had them on here to identify which brand everyone was on. Networks, you said this earlier, USA and Fox on the back of the shirts. Uh, This match was basically an ad for Pizza Hut. Thanks a lot, Nick Khan. I assume we're going to get more of this moving forward because he is lovely. You know, he has talked about that in some of these um, media interviews. And people, again, are going to defend that by saying, well, they're getting paid for this. Well... I'm not getting paid for it. And corporate sponsorship (laughs) is so eye-rolling, not just in wrestling. I mean, like if you watch College Game Day and when Kirk Herbstreit goes, let's go to the Home Depot playbook, do you not roll your eyes when he says that? I get that it's a thing, but no one likes corporate sponsorship. Uh, I wrote in my notes, Byron Saxton is a fucking tool. (laughs) And then this morning when I went through the notes again, I said, I can't remember why I wrote this question mark. I think it it was something to do with his reaction to the pizza. I don't remember either. That's why. But, you know, I mean, it's one thing when, you know, I was watching the wrestling classic the other Mm -hmm. week. The first yeah. WWE pay-per-view. And guys are competing for a Rolls Royce. And they're talking about Rolls Royce. That's cool. Byron Saxton talking about how much he loves Pizza Hut is not cool. Speaking of Nick Khan, did you see he was out there at ringside? Yeah. Yeah, he was right. Because Roman referenced him. Like, Roman yelled at him during the main event. So he was sitting right out there, taking it all in. Your boy, yeah, Nick uh, Khan. Yeah. Um, well, what a show. Uh, to be sitting that close. <laughs> our to our friend, friend of the pod, uh, patron Aaron, he sent me a text during that. And he was like, I hate that I know what Nick Khan looks like, but there he is. <laughs> well, I mean, he's done interviews now. So I mean, people know it's out there. Uh, Byron Saxton smiling about Pete's hut was not the only egregious uh, thing he did in this match. I cannot believe he said that he was, quote, shocked by Omas's dominance. A seven footer in a battle royal. Should be the most predictable part of this match, yes, right? It, which, and it was obvious from the get-go, Omos would win. And he, he was the correct choice to win. If you're going to mm-hmm. do this throwaway match, I mean, who else are you going to make the case for from this gang of losers? I know Lance Storm had a funny tweet that this was like an indie battle royal, basically, because everyone's wearing T-shirts and the winner gets pizza. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought that was a good one from Lance. Uh, you know, the match did not have any heat other than a brief We Want Pizza chant. At that yeah. point, I wrote, do I not like WWE crowds? <laughs> pizza was, yeah, so I guess the pizza thing worked. The problem is pizza was more over than anyone in the match. Omas, I see the potential, but he was very clumsy still during, especially during the Styles elimination. It looks like he's giggling at being a pro wrestler at times. If you watch him closely, it looks like he's like, oh, this is so fun. Like, like it's just, I don't know. He's got a lot to go. 
and Tim Jensen. I, I love that he's here. Uh, who so eats who Pizza eats Hut pizza? in 2020? There are a lot of options. I mean, Pizza Hut, I mean, you better be stoned or everywhere else better be closed. That's all I got to say. <laughs> yes. So uh, Rick O'Shea, your boy, tossed his SmackDown shirt when it came down to the final two. But right guy wins. Uh, Omos is in no way ready for a singles push, so I hope that's a slow burn. Uh, Liam, people can listen to Liam's comments from the Crown Jewel show we did last month. Does Vince get worked by his own booking? Like, Omos is impressive because he's only used in short doses. Does Vince mm. not realize that? Does Vince not? He He's the guy in charge. He's supposed to be smarter than the audience. He's supposed to be like, oh, okay, it looks good in these short doses, but if we put throw him in the deep end, it's not going to be so good. He, he he understands that, right, Ryan? You would do it after this long, but hard to tell. I don't, I don't know if he does. Hard, hard to tell watching these shows. Uh, RK Bro, the Raw Tag Team Champions, taking on the Usos, the, the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. So once again, this is just so played out where you have to match up these people. We'll get to it in the main event. They blow Big E and Roman Reigns. Here, you know, the, the tag team titles have been devalued so much. You know, hey, it's cool. Maybe it'll work. You'll get a good match. And they had a pretty good match with a, with a memorable finish. But in the end, does like does anybody care about brand dominance? Like, why why do we think these guys would, would give a shit either way uh, on if their brand is is the dominant one at the end of at the end of the night? And here we've got Raw once again <laughs> winning. So on the main show now, Raw is going to win again. So we got Omas winning previously with the Battle Royal, and they go into this one. I actually I had a hard time picking this. I I thought maybe the Usos would walk away, but no, we got a cool finish, Kyle. Yes. The uh, so you got the Usos coming off the top with the splash, and in comes Randy Orton out of nowhere with the RKO. That looks super cool. You know, Randy has the record now for most pay per view appearances by a WWE wrestler ever. Set the record tonight, uh, and and doing so in memorable fashion with the RKO, RKO out of nowhere. This is one that's going to get replayed a lot over the years. That was cool. Otherwise, you know, it was a pretty. St- it was a standard match. I'm not going to say it was bad or anything, but nothing super memorable other than that for me. It was pretty average. I did not care. Crowd was mostly dead except for the finish she went over. I thought the highlight of the match was a sign which read, we miss you, Triple H. Yes. Clearly visible <laughs> on the crowd. And you, know, you talk about this whole brand supremacy gimmick and how it's dying on the vine. You know, well, we did the full gear review last week. One of our criticisms, maybe really our only criticism of that show, was that some of the matches went too long right but at least i cared about those going in this match went too long and i didn't care about it so that's a problem Mm -hmm. and rk bros a push to act i wasn't terribly surprised that they won i don't think it matters it doesn't matter in the end i that's when i was thinking about it i was doing my wrestle rumble entry and i thought oh the bloodline you know keep them strong but in the end, it's like, all right, when you're going to craft a finish for the match, what are you going to do? You're going to do a, a cool RKO, and that's you, what they did. You know, so. The Usos have been used like flunkies for so long on SmackDown. Like They'll do jobs for guys mm-hmm. who, like a singles wrestler you're looking to build up to take on Roman. That it do- Honestly, yeah. it doesn't matter that they lose. They probably should have lost, to be honest with you. So this one went 14 minutes and 50 seconds. Yeah, so they got a good amount of time. And this is going to lead us into the women's elimination match, which went way too long. (laughs) Way, way, way too long. Now, the men's elimination match went longer. That was about 30 minutes. Um, This one went about 24 minutes. And, Kyle, this was not great. 
Uh, that is one I, way to I, put I was, it. <laughs> I was, <laughs> there's some gifts going on that you can find them on Twitter of, of some, uh, some brutal spots, specifically something that happened on the ropes with Natty that was kind of cringeworthy. But at least Natty was in the match the to be the glue. You know, Natty is always, you know, that that the, the rock of the match. Give me a break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we should re- we, we cra- should retweet that botch or something like that. I'll do that after the show. All right. This is where the crowd really died, right? Like they they <laughs> they were into the tag match, RK Bro and the Usos. Now well, here yeah. they were really dead. And then as we talked about earlier, I mean the main event, they were completely tuned out waiting for the rock. They could not have cared less Kyle on this one this match was brutal uh, I missed Tony Storm eliminating Carmella early that was the mm-hmm. first elimination and so I'm settling down after that and I well, the first thing I wrote is holy fuck this crowd is dead and I don't know if it was that again the long parade of entrances that just takes the audience out or what but th- there was just no reaction at one point Shades of Jake Roberts and Ted DiBiase laying in a five-minute chin lock at WrestleMania six. The crowd started doing the wave yes. during this match. A <laughs> real sad side. Uh, Banks and Belair then squared off, which woke them back up. Uh, Michael Cole informed us that Bianca doing that kiss my butt mannerism <laughs> is, quote, classic Belair. Personally, I thought Belair doing the rocket launcher with Queen Zelina was a little more classic, but that's just me. Uh, Tony Storm gets her second elimination, pinning Zelina. So King of the Ring and Queen's Crown winners both treated like nothing tonight. Glad those tournaments took place. Just in case you were under some illusion that that was going to matter. <laughs> WWE history has told us for many years that it yeah. won't matter. Yeah, uh, But then Tony Storm, she gets two eliminations. Okay, we're building up Tony. Here we go. Well, then she gets eliminated by Liv Morgan. Uh, I wrote the crowd is so dead. Despite being built up as the next challenger for Becky on Raw, Liv just pinned uh, Tony Storm. She jumps clean as a sheet after frog splashes from both Shotzi and Sasha. Uh, Shotzi, yep. by the way, may have lost her last name per the commentary. I did not hear <laughs> Blackheart uttered at any point during this match. So she may just that, be uh, Shotzi. I think Kyle Ryan threw that out in the in the Facebook group. Like, did he did she lose that last name? When did, yeah, when did he, start? He picked, well, because it was remember it was like when Cole started trying to call Nakamura knock. He yeah. just like kept saying it. So yeah, he did mm-hmm. just keep saying Shotzi. Uh Rhea Ripley, who has Maya, she fallen in two years. Remember that Survivor Series performance she had a couple mm-hmm. years ago and people were predicting stardom? Uh yep. she gets eliminated by Shayna. So it's Bianca at a four-on-one disadvantage at this point. Okay, so we're going to obviously, you know, have Bianca work, you know, her way back from the deficit like a good baby face. Well, Sasha gets eliminated via this gutless countout due to infighting on the SmackDown team. At this point, with Sasha gone, no one has ever been more likely to come back from a three-on-one deficit in a Survivor Series elimination match than Bianca Belair was here, facing Natty who's gone, Shayna, she goes next, and then it comes down to Bianca and Shotzi. I mean, it was just like, the as soon as Sasha was out, you're like, oh my God, well, Bianca is obviously going to pit yeah. this three. And she did. I thought it was the least dramatic comeback I've seen in an elimination match. Maybe even less dramatic than Razor Ramon's gutless uh, way against the Teamsters in 94. Remember that? When the entire team got counted out? He was down five on one. That was when Sean and Diesel started feuding and like the team like tried breaking it up. Mm-hmm. At least Razor did this cool thing 
like when he was there and all five guys could count out, he just looked at the camera. He's like, you know, he's like, fuck it. Like, at least he leaned into this was just terrible. Um, this was so, this was such lazy booking because you've already had those count outs earlier with Kevin Owens, with Bobby Lashley, with Drew McIntyre. And, you know, this is Bianca and Sasha is like one of the things that everyone wants to see get a lot of time in this match. And then to do another count out with Sasha, I, I thought that was super lazy. Yes. So I, I thought that this match not coming down to Bianca versus Sasha was just as weak as Drew not getting yep. his win over Lashley in the men's match. Uh, Bianca winning here keeps it out of negative stars. I mean, that's how much I thought this match sucked. I mean, the, the, it's not the participants' fault, I'll say. It was the way the match was laid out. You and I and Justin were all talking in our text thread during this match. And you're like, my God, there's still so many women in this match. Right? There was like just the one early elimination. And then there was no eliminations. And then the eliminations went bang, 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 bang. It was just a poorly agented match. Do you want to know who agented these matches? I have them for you. Tell me who agented this one. Because they did a poor job. Surprisingly, Tyson Kidd and Pat Buck. Well, Kidd usually does a... Yeah, so... Kid produced uh, Becky and Charlotte, the okay. best match on the show, and this one. Well, his wife was in this one, so I don't know. Maybe he's trying to be nice, but this was, uh, I just thought this was an atrocious, atrocious match with no heat that was just poorly put together. I just really can't say enough negative things about this match. It sucked. The other producers, if you guys are, are interested in who laid out these matches with the with the wrestlers, uh, I could tell you that Shane Helms produced RK Bro versus the Usos. Um, as I said, Tyson Kidd did Becky and Charlotte. Chris Park, that would be Abyss for you TNA fans, produced Damian Priest and Shinsuke Nakamura. And the Men's Survivor Series match was produced by Adam Pierce, Shane Helms, and Sean Davari. And the main event, Michael Hayes. Of course. Mike, yeah, Michael Hayes did the Roman Big E match. I, hold on. I need to respond to Tim Jensen here in the chat. He said, so it sucked? I'm not sure I got that. Yes, Tim, the match sucked. It was very bad. <laughs> <laughs> and I see your note to me, Kyle, in the private chat, and we will definitely get there. Okay. Absolutely. So what did Frank say here in the chat? He says, can I ask a legit question? It's all nice and good to have Bianca as the sole survivor to do what? Get fed again to Becky and go back to feuding with do drop Kyle do drop <laughs> so yeah you know it's interesting I don't think they needed to have Bianca survive solo here what I would have done potentially is have her survive along with Liv Morgan who is challenging Becky in a feud that no one is going to buy Liv Morgan is having a chance in I mean she came out for that interview segment on Raw was it last week or two weeks ago and you could just tell the audience was like yeah, like Liv Morgan's going to fucking beat Becky. Lynch. I mean, she's been there for years. They've done nothing with her. Yeah, so <laughs> like, why Why not give her a win on this pay-per-view to establish something? And then yes. Rhea Ripley throw her a bone? You, you, this match, the match time could have been cut down if you had three survivors. I could be wrong here, but does WWE have an abnormal amount of sole survivors in these matches in the modern era where it just comes down to one-on-one? What You, you know, you yeah, can have it. Seems like it. almost all of them. You can have it where multiple people survive. And this match, I think, you know, to Frank's point, multiple people could have survived on this on the Raw side. I I went into it thinking, and I put this out on Twitter, that Bianca should win because she's been 
booked just atrocious yes. since WrestleMania. But then I was thinking about it. And I was like, I don't know if she will win because Raw's won every damn match on this pay-per-view proper. But then lo and behold, Raw won again. So she she did end up winning. So yeah, I agree. Multiple multiple people surviving yeah. wouldn't have been it, bad. It, it, I just, yeah, I think it was a lot better than what they did with the very, very not dramatic one-on-four comeback. So the main event, we kind of talked about it already. I'll, we'll end with this and then get into some closing thoughts. But Biggie and Roman, as I mentioned, Michael P.S. Hayes laid this one out for the guys. The crowd was, just, it was jarring how out of this the crowd was. You know, like, I'm trying to think of a good comparison. You know, like if you're playing a baseball video game and like you're pitching and you like put down the controller and you go to the other room for a second and like the player just sits there and there's that just kind of like low hum noise from the crowd and like you'll you hear people like chatting and stuff. That's what it was like watching the main event of your two world champions wrestle. Like there was that low kind of hum of the crowd. You could like almost hear people talking. It was just dead silence. And as we said at the beginning, they're waiting for the rock and that's all they cared about. Yeah. So, all right. I want to make another comparison to full gear here. Okay. I think full gear in retrospect could have used a buffer segment or two to break up the matches, right? To give the people a rest, to take them down. So it wasn't up, up, up the whole time, but full gear very much tried jamming. What could have been with buffers, a four and a half or five hour show into four hours. Mm -hmm. Survivor series was basically a three hour show stretched into four hours. Brian Alvarez had this tweet. Did you see this one, Ryan? I put it in the notes for you if if you have. Yeah, yeah, the but, timing of everything. Yeah, I believe there were 79. I'm clicking on it right now. Of course, it's loading slow. But I think there was like 79 minutes of non-wrestling on this show. That's an hour 19. Why is it so of wrestling. slow? I got it. 107 okay. minutes of wrestling on a show that's been on the air for 186 minutes at that point. So 79 minutes of videos and entrances out of 186 minutes. That's unacceptable. It's almost half. It's almost half of the time they'd been on air was. And by the way, there's something weird going on during these shows. I guess it has to do with which version of Peacock you have. Because if you have the ads version of Peacock, the $5 a month one, um, there's commercials during the show. And so when they go to commercials during the show, the people that have the premium, the $10 with no commercials, we're just being fed like random video packages. It's almost like when you're at a live event and they go to commercial and they just show random stuff on the Titantron because at some point late in the show, they showed this Bobby Lashley video that almost gets like a baby face response from you. And he had like already wrestled. So I'm watching this and I put it in the Facebook group. Why is there a Bobby Lashley, like an extensive video package, <laughs> several minutes airing right now? It doesn't make yeah. any sense. It, it was that's, not Apparently as, that's because of the commercials. Yeah. But it was not as cool as, you know, the Coliseum video exclusive with bad news Brown. Uh, at Survivor Series 88, talking about how he's going for the WWE Championship. <laughs> that was cool. This Lashley thing seemed totally out of yeah. place. Um, Raw, yeah, the, we, we've beaten this up to a... We've beaten it to a dead horse. They've won every match at this point. So, Kayla Braxton, let, let's talk about this. Oh, yeah, let's talk about this. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about this. Did you see my notes? Uh, but I she did. interviews Paul Heyman, informing him of rumors that Brock Lesnar's suspension has been lifted. So, when they did this... I'll be honest, this is when I was like, I don't think Rock's coming because they're doubling down on this. They want you to focus on this uh, Roman Lesnar thing. Yeah. I've got a question for you, Ryan Drosty. 
does the Lesnar feud now feel a little less special because of the presence of The Rock on this show? Uh, even the most diehard WWE fans are going to concede Roman and Rock is a much bigger deal than Roman Brock. And this show, whether it was intended or not, got people thinking about Roman and Rock. And now, does Roman Brock feel like a little bit of a consolation prize? It's been done at two WrestleManias before, at a SummerSlam before. It's a feud that's existed for uh, six and a half years now. Yeah, I mean, they're kind of undermining themselves. Because you tease something that you have no intention of giving the audience. <laughs> the real match, which is, again, an indictment on the booking that the best match you can produce is something you've done on three major pay-per-views already. But it does, yeah, I think you're right. I think it takes away from it a little bit. It seems like a consolation. Like, oh, we thought we were getting that Roman Rock face-off to end the show. They teased it the entire time. And now we can build up Rock versus, or I mean, Brock versus Roman again. It, Yeah, it, it is working against themselves. I think you're right. Uh, you know, there was this tweet that I also put in the notes from this guy, Ryan Drosty, at Ryan Drosty. Oh, who is that on guy? Twitter. Big E versus Roman Reigns should be a WrestleMania main event. Instead, we have it forced as part of a brand supremacy gimmick that no one has invested in. A shame, really. Hashtag Survivor Series. That's a good tweet. I'd like to meet that person. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's oh, true. Oh, they blow, blow that's their you. load. That's, like... <laughs> that's you, Ryan Drosty. Oh, I didn't even know. I didn't notice. But I mean, seriously, why Why do they do this to themselves? We said the same thing last year. Last year, the biggest match this promotion could give you at the time was Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns. And instead of it being a WrestleMania match, they do it at Survivor Series just because they have to because of this lame-ass brand supremacy gimmick that nobody cares about. And now here it is again. Big E, one of the you know hottest new things they have going right now. Oh, now he has to wrestle Roman Reigns and he has to do the job because nobody can beat Roman Reigns. Why? Why do they do this to themselves? Get rid of the gimmick. Get rid of the brand split. I know I'm preaching to the choir with you on that one, Kyle. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's pointless. There, there is no positive that can come from putting your two world champions in there with each other. Certainly there's no positive in Big E losing clean in the middle of the ring on one of the four biggest pay-per-views of the year just weeks after winning the world title. And, and he struggled. He's off to a tough start as the world champion because it wasn't done well. Again, everyone told what people like me to shut up and enjoy the moment when he cashes briefcase in. But the journey was poorly booked. He was on the pre-show the month before. He, you know, was losing to you know Colonel D's nuts or whoever, you know, in the <laughs> spring and the summer. I mean, yeah. it was like he wasn't booked up w well. You know, he he just won a briefcase and that was that. There was no long-term story and. He was on SmackDown where you've got the top world champion, Roman, and he went over to Raw pre-draft to cash in there. I just thought that was weak. So no one believes in Big E here, which is kind of sad, in addition to the crowd chanting Rocky. Mm. Uh, Ro Roman, this was my favorite part of the match. Roman at one point yelled, shut your mouth, Brooklyn, to an absolutely dead crowd. <laughs> like no one was saying anything. He like was you trying. Said. He yes. was trying so hard. He was jawing he at the crowd, trying to get him going. They didn't care. And so Tim put this out in the chat. I wanted to address this. Um, he said, but Roman is so over. I can't really blame. So like the company undermined these two because they may, they condition the audience to expect the rock. So these guys are working from behind the whole time. Roman is the most over full-timer they have like there's no question he is and when he came out the crowd went 
nuts for his entrance. Like they were zooming in on the crowd. You know, he's a heel, but like they were really into it when he came out. But like once the match started, it was just a waiting game for the rock to come out. That's all anyone cared about because of how they structured the show. So that, I mean, that's on the company. I can't blame Big E. I can't blame Roman. They were trying. They had a pretty good match. It's just nobody was invested in it. Yeah, it was a it was a good match, but it's a flawed concept and it had a really flat finish, which we'll get to in a little bit. Yes. But look, people aren't going to like me saying this, but I don't give a damn. I said it with Justin once before. I think on the spot one of our Spotify green room shows. Roman Reigns is the Schindler's List of professional wrestling at this point, in the sense that he's good, yes, but it's it's sort of depressing to watch it unfold. And wrestling shouldn't be like that. It's okay if a movie is like that, but wrestling should be like that. It's just like, I get people react to him like he's a big star, but he's still presented as a heel. And he's just this dominant heel that you know is going to win and wins. When has wrestling ever been presented like that and been good? Never, <laughs> never. And uh, this, you're right. He was trying his damnedest, but I just laughed when he said, shut your mouth to a crowd that was not saying a goddamn thing. And <laughs> they weren't saying anything. Like almost every Roman pay-per-view match this year, maybe save for WrestleMania when he pinned two guys, which was a curious decision in retrospect. But it's a flat finish with these Roman pay-per-view matches. Every time he just hits the spear or like this submission out of nowhere and it's just over. There's no mm. build to the finish. It's not dramatic. It's just bam, and it's over. And you started touching on this with discussion of the brand split, and I want to expand on it. I don't know why you have a brand split if you're going to push one of your world champions so much more strongly than the other. It reminds 100%. me of a discussion I would have with people back in 2007 with John Cena. And at, by 2007, you remember this, Ryan, it was pretty clear that no matter what was going on in the promotion, who won the Rumble, who was the other champion, John Cena was presented as the centerpiece of the promotion, right? And I'm not yep. here to argue that or belabor that point. He, he was, and he had a great run. He should have been. I, I think I, I bring up 2007 because WrestleMania 23? Yes, 23. Yep. Um, 23. Undertaker had won the Rumble to challenge Batista. And remember, it didn't go on last. And remember, they were pissed. There yeah, was that infamous Sean Batista. Yeah, Batista was like, top this or something. He yelled in the back. And then Sean and Cena kind of did top it, but whatever. <laughs> um, but like, it, I remember thinking that it's like, okay, it doesn't matter what happens. That John Cena is the guy. And so I'm thinking at that time, why is there a second world champion? If no matter what happens with the other one, John Cena is going to be presented as the biggest thing in this promotion. And I have no problem with that. Just like I don't have a problem with Roman being presented as the top person in the promotion. I have a problem when you have a... a second world championship that is clearly secondary that might as well be the intercontinental title yeah and again with a clean finish like this you're just you're saying the quiet part out loud with a finish like this everyone knows biggie's the secondary world champion all you're doing is reinforcing that and the damn brand split the you know i talked about how nakamura and priest that's a waste of time uh, on the pre-show ic versus us one world champion, and if you insist on still doing this dumb brand split, each show can have its own champion. But it should be three singles, men's singles titles with one at the top of the pecking order is clearly preferable to what they have right now. Yeah. Can't, I can't disagree, man. They're much, I mean, much better. I mean, remember how silly it got at one point 
uh, when it was like Rock and Cena headlining WrestleMania for the World Championship, and then your other, you had a second World Championship match, fucking Jack Swagger against Alberto yeah. Del Rio. Mm-hmm. I mean, you gotta be a real jackass to defend having a second world title at that point. Or CM Punk, oh my god, you, you know something we all love, Money in the Bank, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, he's gonna take this title out of this company, and we're screwed. Well, there there was a second world champion at that point. Yeah. That no one cared. Like, oh, well, I guess the secondary belt. <laughs> he can't take this belt. Well, what about the other belt? Well, yeah, they created another one. Remember, it's so bad. The brand split only works if you're good if you don't have one person to build around. Yeah, but they have one person they want to build around. Roman Reigns. So why have a brand split? Build around him, and then both your network partners are happy because they both get him. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I wish someone could just. Keep using that and drive that home backstage. So we get rid of the stand brand split. So yeah, um, we got we got the big ending. Big E hit that with a near fall, so he got that moment in the match. But of course, he he lost to the spear in the end. So yeah, he lost clean as a sheet. As we talked about at the beginning of the show, Roman walks off. They film him walking all the way up the ramp. You think you're going to get the face off with the Rock? It never happens. They go off the air. Very flat ending. So and then they went into yep. the first, you know, the new episode of. The uh, Ruthless Aggression series, which I do have to check out. And The Rock was all over that on the Peacock <laughs> right afterwards. Yeah. The Rock was everywhere except, except for the show. live in Brooklyn. And so yeah. tonight on Raw, you know, this will be old news, I guess, by the time most people listen to this. Uh, you're going to, you know, uh, Meltzer's, you know, says it's a tease for Raw tomorrow night. Everyone from both brands going to be on Raw to find out who stole the egg because Pierce has to interrogate them because the idea is a wrestler stole it. Uh, you know, again, only time a year that both Raw and SmackDowns together. Well, except the next night, too. And I, I love this tweet, too. You know, I know he can be dicey. Some people don't like him. But Rover tweeted uh, that Raw is opening with the entire roster on the ramp being talked to like school children after the releases last week. <laughs> That's a great tweet. That's yeah. a goddamn great tweet as far as I'm concerned. It's true. And ticket sales, by the way, poor for this Raw in Brooklyn. Did you see? I got, yeah, I, mean, so I, I got an I update. I got, I got an update on it. So yeah, two days ago, fifty they had only sold 58% of the tickets for the show, which you linked to here in our in our okay. show notes. Now, WrestleTix updated today about four hours ago. Looks like they have taken off all, all the available tickets that were in the upper deck facing the hard cam. Those have been wiped out. So it appears that they're going to tarp it off. We don't know for sure. Uh, so as so- of now, of the current setup, there was less than 100 tickets remaining, which is probably because they took a bunch of them off the market. Yeah. Yeah, so the tweet that I posted here, they had only distributed 57% of the allotment. That They were yeah. setting the building up for 7,300. They'd only sold 4,100 tickets. What's the How many tickets are currently distributed for the show? That was the last update on on the exact numbers that I could find. Oh, so it was 41. So, yeah, so basically they, to make it seem like it was more of a, you know, they'd sold more of the allotment, they just took out available tickets. Because there were still 2,000 yeah. tickets available in a 7,000-seat building. Yeah, and by the yeah. way, that building's a lot bigger than seven thousand. They, they yeah, they have they're twelve thousand in last night. If you saw this, the way it was set up, it was it was more than just like the one half behind the entrance. It was gone. Like it looked like really condensed down. Like it was a third of the arena they were not using. Um, so yeah, I'm, it's. Here, I'm looking right here to see what do do do. Uh, that's a WWE super they show. Said the lower bowl opposite of the hard cam will be full, which is what's most important to them. Those tickets are gone, um, but, but it looks yeah, like I mean, they've pulled the upper deck that faces the hard cam. Th- 
They're doing under 5,000 in Barclays. It's insane. New York City, 25 million. Barely over four. To say under five is actually being generous. It Again, 4,100 in that building? Yeah. Nuts, man. And they and people are going to say, well, it's raw, burnout. People used to still go to the raw after these big four. Mm-hmm. 4,100. <laughs> Look at Frank in the chat. I live 45 minutes from the Barclays Center and had no interest in going. Frank, Frank is big I'm of a with- wrestling fan as they come, man. Hey, remember what I told you after uh, one of these pay-per-views? I think it was the Money in the Bank. I was like, dude, I can go to this SmackDown of Cleveland for free. I ain't going. I live yeah. 20 minutes from the arena. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just a, a quick shot up the interstate. It's yeah. not hard to get there. I didn't want to go. <laughs> Who could blame you? Hey, Kyle, before we go tonight, I got to call out something to the listeners. I know, okay. I know you're aware because I mentioned this off air to you. We've been doing this podcast for a very long time. Five and a half years almost now. Started in the summer of 2016. But with this show, we kind of hit a special anniversary. And so if you guys are not aware and you're not a subscriber on our YouTube channel, you can find the show on there on demand. When we first started the podcast, we were just doing audio. And then we got into the fall of 2016. We're like, we should experiment with some live video. And the very first time we did a live show on YouTube was our post show for Survivor Series 2016. I'm going to see if I can share this on the screen right now. There it is. Look at that. Look at these young men. Look at these young men. You're not going to hear any sound. If you're on the stream, you can see us. That is our survivor. I'm wearing my my CCCP shirt, by the way. Yes. (laughs) That's me and Kyle, uh, (laughs) November 20th, 2016, Survivor Series 2016 post show. So, Kyle. I just want to say thank you, my friend, for doing this show with me for so long. And for all the shows yet to come, it's been a pleasure. And I got to say, I think we're a lot better now than we were five years ago. I didn't like how that shirt fit. I didn't wear it too often. <laughs> it was it was a bad... It was, I, I bought it, like, just off the internet. You know, I always wanted that shirt. And then it just yeah. it never fit well. Well, it was kind of a fun memory to look back on here. It was. So, yeah. And by the way, it all comes full circle on the Facebook group tonight. People will be able to... It'll be up there by the time everyone's listening to this. Um, I'll talk about Survivor Series 2016 as just briefly as we continue and wrap up our look at that on the Facebook page, Survivor Series History. Yeah. Now, you know, I just want to say one last thing. This was, you know, yeah. I love doing these pods with you. It's been a great five years. Is there any other podcast you would want to talk about their reaction to Survivor Series? <laughs> you 2021? know, I was listening last night because we were debating if we were going to do the live show or not. I'm like, all right, I got to get some takes. So, I turned on the Spotify Green Room app, which, as everybody knows, we've been doing bonus shows on there, although that's going to be changing. Stay tuned to the Patreon page for our new location for those. And, I've, you know, lo and behold, the Ringer Wrestling show's on. So I turned it on, and we've got uh, we got the Masked Man on there, and we've got uh, Rosenberg on there, of course. And they're talking about, how, yeah, it was a pretty solid show tonight. I'm like, What? <laughs> pretty solid show and then i remember all the ringer they have a deal now with wwe so maybe that's playing into a little bit guys if you want objective podcasts you got to go independent you know look up top rope nation not this we 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 remain indie as fuck as uh killer mike said you you, you know you want to did i hear the name the masked man aka david shoemaker hold on hold on a second keep talking to the people i'll be right back oh kyle i don't know where is he gonna pick up his camera he's he's walking to the back of his office right now I have uh, this is unrehearsed. I don't know what what's going on right now. He has a book. Is that a book? What do you got, Kyle? 
Oh. You have oh. the masked man's book, do you? Oh my god. <laughs> he just spit upon the masked man's book and threw it to the ground. Now I know Justin is actually kind of a fan of the masked man. He might be offended. Uh, so, okay, let me go into my show notes and delete I, I, final rant. I don't want to, because I was going to say, <laughs> the ringer, the ringer, more like the fucking shitter, okay? The oh my ringer, God. okay? Um, look, I, I, don't I don't have wanna... a straw, a real straw opinion on that oh, show, but I, last last night it was not good. I'm And I messaged you guys, I'm like, man, I kind of wish we were live right now, because this is a real whitewashed version of Survivor Series. <laughs> Second time Spit for good on that measure. book again. Look, man, I shouldn't cloud on Bill Simmons too much. If it wasn't for Bill Simmons, Bill Barnwell probably would not be on ESPN.com right now. And Bill Barnwell is like one of three people in the ESPN umbrella that can talk about football in an intelligent manner. So I thank Bill for that. But look, I, I, I read and listened to Bill a lot 10, 15 years ago. But come on, man. The Ringer? <laughs> I, how old? What generation are our daughters considered? Right. Oh, God, I don't even know if they have a name for it yet. Okay, I'm sure well, they whatever, do. I don't know what it is. Whatever generation our daughters are, they are going to look at Bill Simmons the same way millennials look at Chris Berman now, I think. <laughs> That's probably true. Yeah, I'm sure. The that's Ringer? <laughs> but I was just very frustrated because I looked at the amount of people listening to that show and I was like, Look, man, these people have accomplished a lot that are on here, but this is the effect of, you know, being on a major website like that. You start way ahead of everyone else. You're automatically going to get all those listeners. And I don't think I'm being biased. We put on a way better show than that one. So if you guys want this show to get the props it deserves, please recommend us to your friends. We know you've been doing that. Our download numbers have been going way up this year. Keep doing it. Spread the word because we don't have corporate backing behind us. The only way this show grows is through word of mouth from our listeners. And we appreciate like, each and one, every one of you. I, I get that when people are waiting for the WWE pay-per-view to come on, Rosenberg's on the pre-show, so you have to tolerate him there. Who would voluntarily listen to Pete Rosenberg? <laughs> I know David Dixon's band would not. No. A little heat, a little heat there between those two. No. Yeah, it was not a great way to end the night for me. <laughs> but this was a great way to start my night, Kyle. We don't... <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Gonna need a drink. The masked man? <laughs> I got right, that, man. but it just... I don't know. Somebody got me that book as a thing, and I read it as, like, I just can't, man. I just kind of gave up after a few pages. I've not read that particular one, but... Well... I am reading Moxley's book right now, and it's a lot of fun. Highly recommend. So... Check it out, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Subscribe. Rate the five stars. YouTube channel. Look up those old shows if you're interested. Like Survivor Series 2016. You can find us in the Top Rope Nation Pro Wrestling Discussion Group each and every single day. Kyle spitting on books left and right. He's not a book burner, though. He's just a book spitter. Um, and every day, like I said, Kyle is doing the Survivor Series lookbacks. are an awesome read. He's got one going up later tonight. Join the Facebook group. Kyle, thank you. It's been a pleasure. We'll see everyone real soon. Have a great Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you next time. Peace.